Have you ever set really high expectations for yourself? You're striving for excellence at both work and in your parenting, and you're going and you're doing it, and then flop, splat. It feels like it all fell apart. You made a decision that was not the right one. You dropped the ball on something that you did not want to, and you feel like a failure. Have you ever been there? I know I have. When we have these moments where we feel like we've fallen short of the expectations that we set for ourselves, we can feel paralyzed. These moments can stop us in our tracks. So how do we pick ourselves back up after something that feels like a failure? How do we keep keeping on? That's what this episode is all about. I'm going to provide you with a simple method that will help you process an event that feels like a failure to you. And we're going to transform that perceived failure into an opportunity for growth so that you can develop resilience and move forward with confidence and self-compassion. Let's do this. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If so, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, planner addict, and recovering overachiever. After years of hustle and grind, I was tired of trying harder. I was ready to try easier. At the intersection of research, practice, and play, I found a purposeful path to planning and goal setting that is fun, simple, and sustainable. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I will equip you with tools and practices to clarify purpose, reclaim time, and achieve goals playfully and lightly. Let's get started. I would like to invite you to a free live workshop called Finish Fulfilled. The workshop is Wednesday, September 27th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. In the workshop, I'm going to guide you as you set goals that will honor your capacity. I don't know about you all, but the end of the year is really full for us. Both of my kiddos have birthdays. There's the holidays. And I'm also usually finishing up the semester. So it's a little bit wild. So when I think about setting my quarter four goals, I really need to think about what my capacity is. Once you've set those goals, I'm going to offer you some steps for creating a plan for quarter four. And I also really want to provide you with some strategies to finish. How do you finish what you've already begun? Let's wrap it up, folks. I want you to finish your 2023 feeling fulfilled, restored so that you can hit the ground running in 2024. So if you're interested in this workshop, it is free. All you have to do is register. I'll put the registration link in the show notes. It will take you less than 30 seconds to register. And by registering, you will get a workbook that will guide us through the workshop. We're going to be covering quite a bit in an hour. And so the workbook will also be there for you if you aren't able to work through all the activities that you want to during the actual workshop. There will also be a replay of the workshop, so if you aren't able to attend, go ahead and sign up and get the replay. It's going to be a great workshop. I'm so excited to share it with you. I've been doing lots of work on it, and ooh, it's going to be a good time. So click on that link in the show notes. Get yourself registered. Be there. When we're setting goals, it's really common for things to not go the way that we planned. (laughs) Back to life. In general, things don't always go as we plan. And that's not an argument for not making plans. In fact, I think that the more that we have a plan in place, 
when things go awry, the better prepared we are to adapt, to redirect, and to keep on going. But when it comes to goals and goal setting, it's really common for us to set a goal. That goal establishes an expectation. And the moment that we feel like we're slipping from that expectation, that we're not quite measuring up, we can retreat, withdraw. We can decide, well, you know what? I'm just not capable of this. I'm done. Have you done that? I know I have. When I was on the job market after finishing my PhD, I was really determined to get myself a job. I knew that the market was really tight at the time. Not a lot of people were hiring, particularly in my area of study. And then we had this situation where my husband and I were both trying to get a job at the same institution in the same department. And the likelihood of that happening wasn't looking too good. And I was determined to beat the odds. I got really obsessed with learning how to best apply for jobs, how to write the best cover letter. If there was anything within my control, I was going to do it. And it paid off. I did end up being selected to do on-campus interviews for all of the jobs in my field that were up for hire that first year when I was, when I was finishing. And so in that sense, my efforts weren't wasted and they were successful. But spoiler alert, that first year out, I did not get a job. I went on all of these interviews. It took up so much time, so much energy. I'm in a really small field. So when that happens, everyone kind of knows who's interviewing for what. And that meant that every time that I did not get the job, all of my friends, all of my colleagues across the country, they knew that it was not me. And did I feel like a failure during that time of my life? And I could feel bitterness starting to creep in. I'm doing all this work. Why am I not good enough? Have you ever had those thoughts like, why not me? When's it my turn? Have you been there? And so all of those, all of those thoughts were floating through my head and, and I was really struggling. And at first I, I was really resilient. You know, I would, I would get a rejection and I would be like, all right, so we're going to send out more applications. We're going to go harder. But after a couple of these, it, it got harder. It got harder to keep showing up and to keep feeling like the work that I was putting in was going to lead me anywhere. I know that you've probably had situations like that too, right? That you've worked really, really hard and you've handled a few failures, but at some point it just feels like too much. You start to question whether or not you're going down the right path. And so that's where I was at. And in in my field of study, so my PhD is in communication and media, but my specific field of study is something called performance studies. I'm really interested in how performance as a mode of communication can help us problem solve and engage in community building. And so here I was one day, I was still teaching. I was an adjunct instructor at several different colleges and universities in South Florida at the time. And I go in to teach and my lesson plan for that day was covering something called the diet method. I like to joke that this is the only diet that I'll ever go on. The diet method is a step-by-step method that helps you evaluate a performance. So let's say you go to a movie. How do you determine if the movie was good or bad? So I was teaching the diet method, which I'll teach you here in just a minute. And I had this realization that that same method could be applied to everyday events in my life. And so that's what I did. I needed to really reframe the experiences that I was having on the job market I knew that if I stayed in the mental place that I was at, that I was not going to 
be able to keep keeping on, that I was, I was on the verge of giving up. So the DIET method is an acronym, and it stands for Describe, Interpret, Evaluate, Theorize. And it's a really applicable method across a lot of different things. Let's say you go to a movie. A lot of times right after we see a movie, somebody says, oh, you saw the Barbie movie? Was it good? So what we do is we jump right away to evaluation. Was this good? Was this bad? And then we might offer a justification for why we thought it was good or bad or a rationale. And the diet method slows us down in that process of jumping to good or bad, to jumping right into the evaluative mode. It asks us first to describe what happened. What did you see? What did you feel? What did you hear? Just describe what happened. And then you move into interpretation. Well, what does that mean? When I started to apply this process in my everyday life, I made a little bit of a tweak to the I. Instead of the I, meaning interpretation, I felt like it was helpful to instead identify, to mark, to take notice of the things that I was describing that seemed important, that stood out, that had meaning for me. So for example, I'm on the job market. I go to one of these interviews. I feel like I did pretty well, but I didn't get the job again. First, let's just describe what happened. What did I do? What choices did I make? And then let me identify moments that seemed important where something significant seemed to be happening during the interview. And then let's evaluate. Was that decision I made good? Was it bad? What were the effects of that decision? And then finally, what did I learn from that moment that I can apply to future decisions? So in other words, at the beginning, you're describing the event that made you feel like a failure. Then you're identifying specific things that seemed meaningful or had meaning or significance for you in that moment. And only after you've done that work, do you begin to evaluate, was this good or was it bad? And then you theorize, you apply it more generally to other things in your life. You expand that lesson and apply it to other places. So if you're in a place of struggle, if you're feeling a little bit paralyzed because you set expectations for yourself and you just haven't been meeting those expectations that you set, I want to invite you to take a moment and to apply the diet method to that experience. First, describe what happened in that moment. By describing, you're also going to help distance yourself from that moment. It's going to feel a little bit more objective. Then I want you to identify what were some key moments during that event that felt like a failure that you want to know. Sometimes when I'm working through this method with people that are in a moment of failure, what happens is they start to identify places where they actually did something really well, where they start to identify, yes, I made that decision, but I understand why I made that decision in the moment. And it wasn't necessarily a bad decision. It's just that it was a decision that had multiple consequences. And then finally, by slowing things down, by describing, by identifying, by engaging in this reflective work, you're able to transform that experience into an opportunity for growth because then you can theorize what that experience taught you. You can generalize. You can take a lesson from that experience and expand and apply it to multiple areas of your life. If you have been sitting in a moment of failure, first I want to say I see you. I've been there. It is temporary. The good news is that things always change and it means that this moment will change too. But I also hope for you the resilience to get back up and to try again, to give yourself permission to take the time 
to reflect on the experience and to do that reflection in a way that opens you up and invites you to get curious about what just happened so that you can transform that perceived failure into an opportunity to develop resilience and strength so that you can move forward with confidence and self-compassion. Be well, my friends. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.